0: Hey, welcome to the Extra Podcast. This is Daniel. I'm joined around with Jeffrey Bucknam. Hi. And Kyle Meeker. Hey Daniel, how's it going? It's great. It's good, it's good to, to be the here. The doctor. The doctor is in the house. Both Both of you are doctors. Yeah, thanks. But uh, So Kyle gets to be known as Doctor, yeah. and I don't? No, I haven't got a nickname for you yet. Yeah.
1: Master. <laughs> mm, no? <laughs> no. All right. Master of the Universe. Hey, um, did you ever watch masters of the universe? No. Kyle and I would have watched masters of the universe. I actually did the cartoon. I didn't like
2: that show no, from no, the, the early eighties. I don't know. I just couldn't get into he-man and she and Yeah. Mm. You know, if know you go back if
1: you go back you can YouTube this, if you go back and you watch some of those shows, they're horrible. Like the animation is about as bad as you could possibly get. They just kind of put like a, like a still shot and his mouth moves occasionally it's, it's, but it was it's cutting am, edge. It's for amazing the day. how much we put up with. Right nowadays, my kids are like, ah, oh, that animation is so dated. Whenever they see some movie that's from five years ago, oh, see, I can, the, the water's not rippling exactly how it normally does when you drop
0: a stone in it. <laughs> is that you, Daniel? It's like me.
2: Yeah, you look back at some movies, and they look terrible now. They do. But you can appreciate them for their um, aesthetic quality. Yeah. Can you, or well, no. you
0: can appreciate what they were trying to do, but not necessarily yeah. what they are now. I didn't know, like in this alternate star Wars universe that
1: they were going to have like red buttons all the time. Think about that. Now they're thinking to themselves, ah oh, man, why did we do, why couldn't we have come out with the first star Wars now? Cause then at least it would be digital on screens, but maybe, you know, in 20 years we won't have screens. We will just be able to see it inside our eyeballs.
2: Mm. Mm. Or to be on your glasses, and you just watch everything. Oh, Kyle, did you so have a I Google have
0: Glass? Do you have a Google Glass?
2: I don't have it, unless I do, and I'm not actually watching you right now with my <laughs> glasses on. I'm You're watching the World Cup. Kyle, yeah. you kind of have Coke bottle glasses, don't you? Um, yeah, my vision is, is, without correction, very deplorable, Oh man! to put it mildly. <laughs> I, I don't know if they'd let me drive, actually, if I didn't have really? glasses on. Yeah. Did you ever have contacts in your life? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Contacts this is that, honestly, time. we're not going to talk about this How would that happen?
0: Did
1: you stare at the sun? Stop, stop. We're not talking I about Kyle's eyesight anymore. Just <laughs> yeah. I he did
2: almost study to become an optometrist, didn't he? Yeah, I thought about that for a while because I'd been to him so much. I was like, hey, this seems like a good gig. That's great. And maybe hey, it was from watching He-Man too close to there. the screen when I was a kid.
0: Anyway, we got a lot of stuff we want to talk about. Yes. Do you want to hit the World Cup for thirty seconds, Jeff? Let's Are you it. surprised? Let's hit the World Cup. Are you Cup. surprised about the the results so well, far? Well, we've
1: gone through the as of as of the moment of this uh, podcast, we mm-hmm. have gone through the first round of the of, of the, the round, round robin. Yeah, the round robin. So, uh, yeah, Germany shouldn't have lost. I mean, when I say that, you like you you don't expect Germany to lose, oh. so that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're I've been excited. watching. i been right, right into it, though. I'm a big, big uh, soccer fan, as many people know, mm-hmm. and so I'm right. I'm right into it. Love watching the games. It's actually one of the mo- more enjoy- enjoyable experiences, being a f- complete neutral to almost every team, and choosing who to cheer for largely based upon which team I want to lose. Yeah.
0: Well, and players that you like. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't like England. No. No. Why? Um, I don't think even England likes England. I
1: Mostly because they, the English fans, I listen to a lot of English media when, when they cover the World Cup. And they are, on the one hand, self-effacing, right? They realize that they never win anything and they fail miserably. And yet, so easily enticed into believing they can win. So that if they have one positive result, or even just a draw, or, some, some, or their coach is nice for a minute, they're like, we could win it! And then they talk about their team and the players on the team like they're they're world class play. You know what? They're really not. And they're not that good. It's basically a team called Tottenham in English garb and Tottenham never wins anything. So don't worry. you'll You'll be done soon. Soon, England. They did beat Tunisia. Yeah. Which they treated like they had just, you know, conquered. Europe,
2: conquered some Tunisia.
1: way. <laughs> ah, see, we beat Tunisia in the last minute of the game on a lucky header from the back post. Ah, we're great. I or Iceland,
2: it. when they tie, they celebrate. And then their coach is like, well, wait till we win. Wait till you see how we react then. Yeah, totally. So I'm cheering for are Iceland. You, are
1: you from the little guy,
2: Iceland? Yeah, that's your team. Fun?
1: Yeah. I was kind of thinking that I wanted Nigeria to win just because some at some point, one of the African teams has to win this tournament or get Senegal. really far. Senegal, 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 might, Senegal might, be the one that uh, I I get behind because, yeah,
0: yeah, Sadio Mane, mm-hmm. he's good. Anyway, there's you, our who's your Cup winner. Men. Germany, you got Germany winning or France? I have France winning. Kyle, who do you have winning?
2: Um, I'm a football novice, and so for our who staff, you got winning, Kyle. <laughs> pool, I I picked Iceland to go to the final four, and good. then and then England to win it all because the. Premier League is played there, right? What right, not that make it that them- much? Watch,
1: this will be the first time they they win it since 1966 because <laughs> Ky- right. Kyle picked them. <laughs> Kyle picked them. I got Argentina beating uh, Brazil in the final. Nah, listen, European, in European World Cups, it's always the European teams that mm. do well. Always. So, Great. There it is. You well, heard it here
0: first. Let's move on to, uh, I guess, a serious topic. And mm. this is, uh, I mean, a legal topic. This is a Christianity and culture topic, and this is also a culture topic as far as tolerance and as far as what the world might look like for Christians going forward in the future. I'm referring, obviously, to the Trinity Western decision. I believe we might have talked about this before uh, in, in slight detail about the decision that was going to be coming about the law school and their ability to have a law school. Now, we should say from the start that none of us here are very well read on this, <laughs> and, and that well, we've read
1: we've read some. It's, we're not none of lawyers, so when we say yeah. when we say that we're not very well read, we haven't I haven't read the actual decision. Right, I probably won't read the actual decision. So I'm more interested not in the legalities of it and the argumentation made by the Supreme Court on why it is they chose one way or another, but ultimately the effects of that decision on Christianity,
0: on the way that Christians are perceived in the in the public sphere, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So let's tease that out a bit. Jeff, how how do you see this playing out in the public square? The fact that now Christians cannot, you know, a Christian institution, a private religious institution, can no longer have a law school. Well, they
1: never had they never had the law school to begin mm-hmm. with. What what the court, I think what the court essentially has said in doing this, whether deliberately or not, is that is that Christians can't be trusted to train people for for service to everyone in the public square, if that makes sense. So, so a Christian or institution that holds a certain sexual ethic cannot be trusted to train somebody to be a lawyer. Uh, by implication, I'm assuming they must they must be extending that to other areas as well. But at least to lawyer, I think that's one of the reasons that Trinity Western is a little bit, uh, or some I know, are a little bit concerned about the fact they train nurses there and they also train. Uh, Teachers there, which are both involved in the public square, and, but so if the principle stands that Christ, that a Christian school with a certain sexual ethic cannot be uh, trusted to train um, professionals to serve everybody regardless of whatever their religious or or sexual viewpoint is in the, in the wider culture, then I that's gonna be it's gonna be extended to other areas as well. But I think that's the principle. I feel like I'm, walk, t- I'm talking around it. The principle is Christian schools cannot be trusted to train people for, for work in secular arenas where they have to serve a wide population.
2: Yeah. Well, within that too, it's whether there should be access for somebody that was, um, you know, lesbian and gay, you know, LGBT affirming and their, in their minds and their lifestyle, whether that person should be restricted access from any particular law school. Mm. And so part of the, and by um,
1: implication, any particular school training, any particular anybody. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say for any particular thing, I would say for things in the public square. So I think Christians are allowed to train people with their own religious viewpoints. If those people are going to be serving that particular community, for right. the Christian community, same thing with if Sikhs, same thing pastors. with Mormons. same thing. Yeah. Cause they're not, interacting with the public square.
2: Right. But as soon as a uh, Christian, a Muslim, Mormon, as soon as, as, as someone of a religious bent steps outside of that that religious sphere, the religious territory in a sense, and goes into the public territory, which is what higher education is about, then what the Supreme Court has effectively said is that we rule that territory. We're the ones that have the final say in that, uh, that secular territory. Yeah. And we won't we won't allow, as the rulers of that territory, we
1: won't allow people who have viewpoints that differ from ours. Mm. Which is the, this to me is the, the crux of it and the challenge in it, quite honestly, is that I, you know, as a, as a significant pushback to the culture and to the, the rulers, the current rulers in the culture, I kind of have a couple things to say. Number one, be careful what kinds of rules that you implement. Because these things very much can come back to, to to bite you if you end up wanting to express your authority over over uh, minorities or for other other groups that don't hold your viewpoint. Okay, whether by minorities, I'm not using racially. I'm saying those who are, don't have the power in the current moment, the cultural so power.
2: You're, you're saying that even the Christians. The yeah, Christians we don't are the have center, cultural our, power. Our, our minority with so the power.
1: Anybody who doesn't have cultural the... power in the moment, if you're going to use your cultural power to oppress other people, just be careful because you're not always going to be in power.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is this is the this is the, the the chief critique against Christianity for years, right? Is that you guys were in power and you marginalized people who didn't agree with you. Whether that's true or not, we can debate. But but that's what's happening right now. The pushback is is almost a vengeful pushback. Well, we've been in the shadows for so long and now it's time for us to take our That's what the pride parade is about. That's why you end up calling it pride. Right. Is that we were shamed for so long and now we have pride. So ultimately, I, I'm just I'm just saying that that's uh, just be careful what you do. The second point, though, the second thing, which is to me more important is uh, I just don't understand how does secularism can preclude itself from. Any claims of religiosity, does that so, make sense? Totally. Like, like that secularism says, well, look, there's a there's sacred world and there's a secular world, and the sacred world is where all the religions dwell, and they can interact with their religious stuff, but nobody really cares that much about it. But when you come into the public square, it's got to be a secular public square, a religionless public square. Mm-hmm. I just do not understand how it is that secularism does not fit all the hallmarks of a traditional religion. Right.
0: So, for example, get some examples there.
1: Well, it answers all the questions that religions answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a God or what's he like? No, there is none. We, we are him or the. it has a grand story. Where did we come from? Uh, the primordial ooze that mm-hmm. was started with the Big Bang. Matter has always existed. It's got a story of how people develop. Uh, it has the story of How evolu- they develop morality. Yeah, evolution. Uh, morality, I mean, it's got its own moral code, whether or not that moral code can be backed up with the grand story that they have, because the grand story doesn't say that anything ought to be. It just says everything is, mm-hmm. which would lead one to believe, of course, that there is no ought. There is only ises mm-hmm. in the world. But, but that doesn't stop... The that uh, the secularists from passing uh, moral uh, opinions. This is this very issue is all about morality for them, and that they're trying to stop an immoral group, namely the Christians, from holding their immoral sexual opinions and impressing others with them. So there's a whole morality. If you break that moral code, the secular moral code, there will be a reckoning. In mm-hmm. fact, I would argue that uh, secularists today, especially in the, those who govern the public square, are more fundamentalist. Than any fundamentalist Christian I've ever met. And I say that because if you are on Twitter, you own Twitter and you and you eat at the wrong restaurant, namely Chick-fil-A, you will be publicly scorned and shamed mm-hmm. for 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 just eating the wrong kind of chicken.
0: Yeah, he was the he's the CEO of Twitter who has been criticized by conservative people for silencing conservative voices on Twitter. Yeah, He goes, eats at Chick-fil-A, who is, um, I, I think they refused to service, or they made their stand clear on LGBTQ. Well, they,
1: no, they serve, they work, the LGBT people uh, work at Chick-fil-A, they are served by Chick-fil-A, there's no barrier in any way. Right. The president, Dan Cathy, he does not, he, he is a Christian man and he disagrees with the sexual uh, authorities today. He disagrees right. with the secular state regarding... That issue, this issue, and yeah. so so they have shamed him, and now anybody who t- who is near him
0: is now shamed. Yeah. Even those who like his chicken. So the guy who was protecting that community yeah. is now being eaten by the same community that right. he protected.
1: Right. But this yeah. my my point is, it's fundamentalist. Yes. So if you if you do something wrong, if you break one of the little moral codes, you you are you are chastised immediately. You then you have to virtue signal, meaning that you have to show that you made a massive mistake and then you have to sign all, you know, prove to everyone in the next little while by doing some sort of penance that yep. you actually don't believe that you, you, what you believe is what they, be, what they think. And yes, these Christians are hateful and horrible. And so I'm going to signal to everyone that that's my viewpoint, and then you might be welcomed back into the community, maybe. But, but you'll always be known as the person who did that.
0: Honestly, yeah, yeah. It's it's almost it's too late at that point, dude.
1: I was telling Kyle just beforehand. Uh, there's a great story, about Nathaniel Hawthorne, years and years ago, called the Scarlet Letter, okay. that was written about uh, Puritanical New, New England and uh, a woman is caught in adultery and she is warned told to wear a scarlet a around her neck mm-hmm. okay and the whole story is basically just chastising the idea the story the point of the story is chastising this society that is so and that's where we get the language of puritanical yeah. that if you don't if you don't heed the moral code you will be ostracized in the in the in the in the harshest manner i have no idea how it is that secularists don't see that—that's exactly what they do. Yeah. That in this day and age, it's not the Christians who are oppressing anybody. It's actually, it's actually the the the, the secular authorities. They have the cultural power, and they're the ones who are now using that cultural power to inflict their judgment on whomever gets in their way. Yeah. And again, there's a danger in that.
0: Yeah. So yep. you recommended to me a TED talk. Can I recommend it on the mm-hmm. program? Yeah. It was by a guy named John Ronson. It was called "When Online Shaming Goes Too Far," and he, you've mentioned this lady before. What was the uh, lady on Twitter who got? I, I can't
1: remember her name, but she she made some uh, some offhanded jokes while she was traveling to uh, to South Justine Africa. Justine Sacco. Yeah, she was traveling to South Africa, yeah. and she made some jokes about. She had to stop over in England, and she made jokes about the yeah. state of dentistry in England. And then when she was going to South Africa, she made a joke about AIDS. Yeah, which in the end was, I mean, it was, it was not a good joke. It was mm-hmm. poorly, it, 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 she was being sarcastic, but you, you know, you can't tell
0: sarcasm on Twitter. But then she boards a 13 hour flight and in that was 13 hours online. She gets shamed and destroyed and, and fired, people, basically and fired and people find it cathartic. Like they're entertaining some sort of justice on, on this lady and she doesn't even get to have a trial or get yeah. to explain herself and say, Hey, this is, um, right. Well, like look this was just a joke. And look I what happens it. on college campuses all the time nowadays, yeah. right? So, if you don't create a
1: safe space or you don't, uh, you don't, uh, you're not woke enough as a professor, uh, you will be, and if you, you, you'll be chastised. If you don't allow, if you allow a Christian speaker to come to your school now, yeah, yeah. they can't speak because uh, they you know, even if you've invited six other religious traditions, you can't allow the Christian to talk. Because yeah. the Christian is a hate monger and horrible and must be must be ostracized and pushed to the mar- margins. So, Again, this is not I just don't think I like I'm an American. My mother is Canadian. America, um, I'm a, pursuing Canadian uh, uh, citizenry. I, I I just citizenship. Sorry. Like I, I, I just I thought we were better than this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: it's All un- right.
2: Go ahead. Yeah, just to think about the the religious aspect of something that uh, comes across as very non-religious and and neutral in religion, the secular idea, um, just the expressions of of being woke or being a- awakened to the realization of what they are promoting, and that awakening to like a deeper insight, the true insight is is a very in a sense religious term. Yeah. And then the the use like a- of shame, um, because certain groups have been shamed so much historically, now the shame can be turned around to the groups that used to uh, pr- promulgate the shaming. So mm-hmm. it's it's like a justified redistribution of the shaming for a time until things get balanced out. And, and again, the shame is part of what what cultures and religions um, use or that it's part of those part of the systems in order to to teach people kind of what's acceptable and not not acceptable. Um that's and more, it's moral. what's moral and right? So if right. you do the the immoral thing, if you do the wrong thing, mm-hmm. then you're shamed in order to correct your behavior for the future. Mm-hmm. So all that to say that I think that
1: I, th- I think that Canada is a a less welcoming place for diverging viewpoints today
0: uh, than it was, you know, even a month ago. Yeah. So um, Canada wanting to be pluralist and and. Diverse, you know, diversity, pluralism—are they well, as long meeting as those, any of
1: those? Well, as long as those diversities and pluralisms are in, within the accepted groups, yeah, it's yeah, fine
0: within that channel. But, that but river.
1: for you to be for, for you to disagree with a secular authority and by the secular moral authority, uh, you know, it, it is not permissible
0: hmm.
1: for, for that to happen. For you to think that you have, which is again just crazy, because ultimately the the very worldview upon which they stand does not establish any moral codes. Right. Right. But now you're, you're expressing with a fundamentalist fervor, the moral codes that you do not have a base to make true. But anyway, whatever, whatever, grab your pitchforks and, and, and and get rid of all the Christians from the public square. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's a very sad day. Actually, after the decision from Trinity, about Trinity Western came out, I, I've struggled a lot in my heart about, about the state of the world and, mm-hmm. And what it's like to be a Christian in the West and to pastor people these days, you know, because the, there will be people who work in the public uh, sphere, uh, especially in a country like Canada, where the government employs so many people. And I do wonder whether or not there will be conscience, uh, conscience tests or clauses on contracts saying that you have to agree with the, the secular government. Yeah. I mean, we already do that. I mean, the, the Justin Trudeau is, has established that with the summer jobs program recently. That you actually need to sign off if you want to get a Canada summer jobs worker. You need to sign off with a, with his his government's viewpoint on abortion. Yeah. Well, didn't his everyone in his party has to be
0: pro abortion? You have to
1: be. I for don't it. know. But, but again, my point night. is that that I can't. I just don't see what would stop them from making such such a conscience clause required for every lawyer. In the, in the country, uh, I don't know why they wouldn't do that for teachers. Kyle, do you know any reason why nurses wouldn't be required or doctors or anyone who works for the, because it's all governed by the state, all of these areas are governed by the state. I just don't see what the Supreme Court essentially has done is o- opened up that Pandora's box. Yeah. Right. So the, It's an asset to lead it, eat through everything.
2: Yeah. So this, the the state now through the Supreme Court ruling has repositioned itself and reaffirmed that it gets to determine what, what marriage should be and any type of religious system in, in, or religious uh, institution, in this case Trinity Western, that has a marriage covenant or tries to, tr- tries to define marriage traditionally and biblically, um, they can do that as long as they stay within their own space. But as soon as they come outside their space uh, into the quote-unquote states space, then the state determines what marriage is. And if you don't agree with that, then um, you, you can't play ball there.
0: Yeah, the uh, there's a great article in the Globe and Mail, Canada, by Margaret Wendt, and she talks uh, about what could happen to the Salvation Army, even. Uh, it's something that's been, an organization that's been around for years doing humanitarian work uh, for, like, Christians and non-Christians. And she says that, like, around the the idea of, and and the practice of assisted suicide, assisted death, she writes, and we will see more, the Salvation Army, which, by the way, Margaret's not a She's not a Christian. She's a, she claims that she's like a non-believer. She's a secularist. She says, and we will see more. The Salvation Army, which used to run some of the best hospitals in Canada, has already been driven from the medical field, partly because of its Christian beliefs. How long will it be before its superb palliative care hospital in Toronto also gets put out of business because it refuses to euthanize its patients? And then she continues, if you're a non-believer as I am, maybe you think these things are no big deal, but look at it this way. This ruling doesn't hence." doesn't enhance the spread of tolerance its effect is to punish minorities and narrow the range of diversity by denying people the right to congregate voluntarily in a small private institution and practice their beliefs as they see fit it pushes them to the margins is this really our idea of a tolerant pluralistic society and she writes i don't think so so it's it's just fascinating so as christians then i mean where's the hope in this
2: i think th- i'm so- Go ahead, Kyle. Well, it sh- it sh- in one sense, it sh- shouldn't surprise us. I mean, Jesus said if, if you pursue him you know, to expect persecution. And so we um, in the West have been, um, yeah, we, we've had things maybe too comfortable for too long or we haven't engaged as actively and compassionately and fervently uh, through God's word as we should have. And so we've deluded ourselves in a sense to think that That life in this world and the Western world and how we conceive of, you know, the good Western life, so to speak, is that's not the new heaven and new earth. That's not the the ideal um, kingdom that Christ wants to bring in and will bring in. Um, So this this surprises us, but it shouldn't. Do you know there was a time in the early in the
1: early church where uh, Christians like us, in order for them to engage with the Roman society, had to play by the Roman religious rules okay which is essentially by the way there is there is no non-religious space in the world every every non-religious person has a religion and that religion might be agnosticism it might be atheism it might be whatever but that's religion is part of humanity that's what we are
2: yeah religion is a, as a a way to understand who we are right? what we're about what's 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 to be shamed yeah. and what should be shameful everybody's
1: yeah. got a view <laughs> okay mm-hmm. so the public square is governed by always governed by somebody who's got a religious viewpoint. Uh, in the Roman world, those particular religious viewpoints saw the emperor as being a god. And so in order for you to partake of anything that had to do with the, the, the wider culture, you actually had to go out of your way at points to to virtue signal. So pinching incense to Caesar was a common thing. If you want to go to the play or whatever, you had to actually pinch a little bit of incense and and tash it on a candle and poof before a, a visage or some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of fresco maybe or a sculpture of a, of Caesar's head to show, oh, I believe Caesar's God. And then they'd let you in. It was like getting your Costco card. And you know what I mean? This is but in order to get entry here, you have to do this. And so a lot of Christians just wouldn't
2: do it because mm-hmm. it was a sign of, in a sense, uh, What's idolatry? Worship. It's yeah. a worship. It's it's a recognition declaration that Caesar is Lord when the early declaration of mm-hmm. Christians is that Jesus is Lord. So
1: to be part of a trade union in those days, right, which is, I mean, we have unions these days. Similarly, if you want to go to your union meeting, so think about this and made, you know, NFL football or whatever union that you think of, you know. Uh, or the or the BC Teacher Federation, yep. it, you you had to actually go and you had to ha- eat a meal that was uh, that was a, a, a worship to a god that was going to look after you, and so Christians just decided, look, we can't do this, we can't be a part of these things because it's idolatry, and so my my point is. We're, this is not this is not our first rodeo in the Christian church when it comes to these sorts of things and being in this position. Uh, our brothers and sisters around the globe have been facing this sort of situation. You know, if you talk to people in govern where governments are officially Muslim or officially Hindu or officially, you know, whatever, that they're facing the same kinds of issues all over the world. As soon as this came out, I I, I was uh, reading. I was actually reading a couple passages that came to my mind immediately, but 1 Peter 4 was especially one, 1 Peter four twelve, where it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Uh, and there's two th- important things in that verse. One of them is, uh, first of all, don't be, don't be surprised at, at this sort of thing. I mean, he's writing, Peter's writing about the very things we just described that I just described in the Roman culture. So Christians shouldn't be, like, we should expect that this is the way it is, number one. But secondly, it's interesting how he gives the purpose for this right in the middle there. He says, it's come on you to test you. And he goes further to describe that a little bit. Verse 13, he says, but rejoice in so much or in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted, so this is what he means by sufferings of Christ. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ... And that means that if you're following Christ's way, right, his moral code or whatever, which is what in this case Christians are doing when they, uh, when they, when they hold up a biblical sexual ethic. If you're insulted, uh, if you suffer, i sorry, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian. Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. What does he mean by that, Kyle?
2: This is this is a time, going back to what you first started know a time of testing in the sense of that this is a... Uh, one of the many things that are going on, and there's never just one thing going on, and here's a great example, that one of the many things going on is that the people who call themselves Christians will have an opportunity to really evaluate what that means. Is this something that I do simply because my parents brought me here and I have some good friends here, or am I a Christian because I actually identify with Christ, and if I identify with Christ, I'll, I'll, I'll rejoice in the fact that I can actually suffer for his name, yeah. So it's like it's a
1: winnowing moment. It's a it's a clarifying, you know, winnowing. Like you take the wheat and chaff, and yeah. you throw it up in the air, and the chaff flies away, and the wheat, the all the wheat falls down. That's the way he kind of is portraying it here. Is that the judgment's going to beha- begin with God's household, meaning that Purifying. we're going we're to clean out the church. We're gonna we're gonna show who's real, who's not, mm-hmm. right? And if it begins with us, this is the end of the passage. What will become for those? What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinners? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So I I actually think Paul, it's so wonderful that the scriptures give us direct words here. So we shouldn't be freaked out, worried about it all. Uh, we, we should recognize that we probably will suffer and be maligned and insulted for all these things. Uh, but we commit ourselves to our faithful creator and continue to do good. The other passage that was on my mind, by the way, was in Acts 4 when the religious authorities said to, and the Sanhedrin said to uh, to Peter and his friends, "Don't you can't preach about Jesus anymore. Don't do it. And they left. And they went back to celebrate, in fact, with their friends. And they prayed a prayer. You guys remember the prayer? Uh, It says, uh, O sovereign Lord, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain against the Lord and his anointed? Like we we see in our time that very thing coming to fruition. (laughs) And so God give us great boldness so that we can proclaim. So in other words, help us to do the exact opposite from what they just told us to do. Uh, because we know that you're sovereign, and you told us that this was going to happen—that when Jesus came, the, the nations will rage and the people will plot in vain against the Lord and His anointed. Mm-hmm. So we, again, we shouldn't be surprised on this. And the way forward is not is not cowering, but but boldness and continuing to do good and moving forward as the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against yeah. God's church. I mean, we
0: have an opportunity to retreat or press in further towards the goal that we have before. Before Christ and the kingship. We, so our young adults, we had our float fest this past weekend. We were up in Asoyas, And this was heavy on the hearts of everyone because we got up there on Friday morning. And I got the text from a buddy because I knew that the, it was going to be coming out, the result. And I arrived in Princeton, looked at my phone, sitting at the A&W um, right there. And he said, yeah, Trinity got smashed. They, they <laughs> lost. And this is a huge loss for Christianity. And, and so it was heavy on everyone's hearts the whole weekend. And in our time of prayer and being with the Lord and reading through first John and learning about how John just over and over again in first John talks about loving one another. And this is an opportunity for us Christians to actually link arms even tighter than we ever have before and face the persecution head on and attack. And if we lose in this arena, okay, great. we'll, we'll try and influence so and help the world in another area. And if they kick us out of there, great. We'll do our best to continue to serve. What does attacking look like? The true king. Yeah, that's a good question.
2: Yeah, so the one of the maybe natural reactions would just be simply to be retreat, head to the hills. Let's let's form you know our own communities away from all the the persecution, and that in, in one way is a natural reaction and 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 wanting to to isolate ourselves from the difficulties. Uh, but Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, um, a famous you know, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, uh, the light of the world part says you are light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So there's this idea that we project light and truth to all those around us, and in the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works, so this light emanates good works and the good works are, you know, loving people, serving people, Mm -hmm. honoring people. So as we have fundamental disagreements with people about what it actually means to be human, not just about who God is and whether God exists, but fundamental disagreements about what it means to be human, of, about whether whether my biology should be connected to my gender in any way. Is that something that, that should be a part of who I am as a person, biology and gender connected? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's how I'm actually going to relate to my kids. I can't relate to my kids other than the, the biology that I have or my grandkids. Or is gender something that is disconnected from biology in such a way that it's simply how I want to express myself at, at the time or in the moment? So as we have such fundamental disagreements, not just about God, but about who we are as people, we still do these good works. We still love people. We still honor people. So our attacking um, isn't the Twitter sarcasm and you know fighting fire with fire, so to speak, but the, our attack in that sense is to... Is to buckle down and, and try to love even more, try to do even more good works, and try to show yeah. that that we are people who have been brought into God's God's uh, family, adopted into His family because of His kindness and grace. And because of that, we want to just love you, and then um, that they, they may see your good works. Jesus says, and the result of seeing the good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So there's this idea that that as people see this, many people will further mock. Um, but there's this idea that as we continue to do good works and that's our battle in that sense, our battle plan that people will look at that and, and their, their categories will be like, wait a second, this yeah. doesn't match. Does not make sense? Let me hear more about this Christ yeah. whom you're talking about. You
1: know, in the early church, when we, since we, I was talking about one of the, one of the ways that they overcame the, the hostility, the culture around them was through radical hospitality. Yeah. And by that meaning that, you know, the culture, the, a culture of death, like the Roman world and like mm-hmm. ours now ends up having massive casualties, right? So if you believe that God's word and God's way is good, right? So God's law is ultimately good for human beings, which is what I believe to be the case and what the scriptures teach. um, Then if you break God's law, it's going to have natural outcomes of disintegration of the, of the person, which is meaning, meaning that there's going to be a lot of casualties on that battleground, mm-hmm. right? Where people are actually running after what they think is going to give them freedom, but actually it's going to be a prison. Mm-hmm. And they're going to end up wondering why I'm so lonely, why it isn't like, we're already seeing some of this with the rising suicide rates and all sorts of things. So the, so the, the, the role of the Christian church is, a, as it was in those days, to be radically hospitable. In those days, uh, they infanticide was common. They just exposed the little girl. You don't want a little girl, you want boys. And so it was acceptable for you to take the little girls and just expose them and put them basically at the they have these Roman baths and they would just drop them down basically the toilet and the little girls would cry and die they would die at underneath the ground of these Roman baths you can they've found uh the remains of like hundreds of Roman of little Roman girls at the grates that were supposed to keep all of that stuff out from the aqueducts and stuff it's wow. just disgusting but what the Christians would do in, in light of, of that kind of horror is that they would actually go, when there was a little babies who were left outside, they would go and collect them up. You see some of this, in fact, in Korea, where you have you know a little box being left out so that parents can leave their little babies in there. And that's, that's radical welcoming. You understand what I mean? Yeah, like a yeah. w- radical welcoming hospitality. It's my belief, actually, that in the current setting, that the best way for us to, the best apologetic that we have is probably not reasoned argument, although it's very necessary and important, but the best apologetic the Christian church has is actually radical hospitality in the days ahead. A kind of community life, a kind of welcoming spirit, a kind of um, robust love, as Kyle said, love for one another yeah. that Ends up breaking the mold, so that when people walk around and they in in this culture of th- where they're ga- they're disintegrating, they look over at Christians who are just living qualitatively differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Everything's going to come crashing down around them, and they, yet they see that. And
1: they see, and then and then they're, they're doing okay. And their interest what's is
0: peaked. And this is where I think Peter's
1: after too, and he says, "Always be ready to give an yeah, answer think, yeah. for the hope that is in you." Yeah. So in a world that's hopeless, there will come a time. Because of the radical hospitality, because of the Christian church, because of the love that we can show toward outsiders, toward those who are suffering, so toward the, the casualties on the battlefield, people will start thinking, well, you know what? I don't actually like this path that I'm on. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps there's a better way. Yeah. So I think this is actually, believe
0: it or not, like oddly a good moment for the Christian yeah. church, right? Well, Peter will use language of an elect exile, right? Yeah. You we're living as exiles and... Um, but also also we've talked about as a staff that we are um we're citizens of heaven mm. and this church Northview, and other local churches are embassies of that other kingdom uh, of the of the and who the king is Christ and so we belong to that country we have a citizenship of heaven and it transcends it our, our local and transcend, our,
1: our king transcends our obedience to the to the local authorities mm-hmm. as well we answer to another who yeah. wants us to answer to our local authorities, wherever those local authorities
0: are in line with
1: his mm-hmm. will. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and then ultimately we have the hope as well, not just in this, in this time, but that, that King promises to come back yeah. and he will write everything and he'll make it good. And, and those who have done injustice will answer for it. Right. And he, his, his side is the right side of history. Yeah. Ultimately. And it always has been and always will be. Right. So that's, that's the other fun side of it is which side will you pick? Yeah, I think one of the things that helps
1: me, too, is the memory, the, the, the remembrance that uh, the people of God have been around a very, very long time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, both in Israel, and God has kept his covenant with his people, and in Christ, now he's keeping his covenant with his people, and uh, the church and Israel before her uh, face have faced a lot of trouble, a lot of critiques, and a lot of everything, and uh, we're still standing so when you see these kinds of things come and go and do different governments come and go and different winds come and go, what's beautiful is the pre, pre, uh, the uh, preserving grace of God over his church and his people. And it, we will be here long after Justin Trudeau is not in power. Mm-hmm. And the church will be here long after Soji is, a, is, a, is like an odd remembrance from people. I'm not suggesting that it's going to get better necessarily. Yeah. I'm just saying that no matter what the government is of those days, they'll think, oh, we're the ones who answer. Everyone's going to answer to today. But they'll have to answer to the, to the ultimate king as well. And that's, there's a lot of hope in that, yeah. to be honest. It is.
0: We, uh, I'll just end with this. So we, we talked about that. And I was reminded um, just the power of God. And as we were at Float Fest, we were worshiping the Lord on the beach and looking at the lake and the... Asoyos. Float Fest is a young adult's ministry retreat, retreat yes. in Osoyoos. Yes. Yeah, okay. And so we were looking at the, the hills and the mountains in Asoyuz and the, um, there was a storm in the distance. And so the, it didn't hit us. So we had sunshine and we were saved from the rain, but you could see lightning and, and you could hear the thunder in the distance. And we were singing to the Lord our God and seriously when we sang the word Lord the the lightning went we sang mighty it went we sang power and I was like are you kidding me is anyone else seeing this right now and it just occurred to me that look that is the type of power that this God has he has control over the over even the physical universe here and he always has and he always will and so so our sovereign Lord why do the nations rage and the people's blood in vain Mm -hmm. against the Lord and his anointed
1: Mm -hmm. Grant us boldness to proclaim as we ought.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. So we have hope in it. That's good. I think that's a good way, good place to end, a good way to end. So thank you guys. Yep. And hopefully this was helpful and you at least under the listeners, the many listeners, to understand what, uh, maybe just a little bit of what's happening. And uh, we will see you next time.